Welcome to Fact and Suspicion. I'm your host, Dan, here with my co-host, Ben. Hello. And today we're discussing some con artists and fraudsters. Sounds entertaining. Honestly, it was a nice break for me. Like, nothing nothing violent. Especially against children. Oh my God, I get so, so upset about that stuff. So if I'm correct, we're we're doing three different con artists in this one? Yes. Yes, we are. Okay. Let's get started. Let's talk about Barry Minkow. Okay. Um, some of you may have heard of him. He's he's pretty prolific. Um, he's definitely not the biggest fraudster we'll talk about today, but he's well known. He has a, a special on... Uh, it's on Discovery Plus. I think it's Investigation Discovery. It's an ID program right now called King of the Con. Uh-huh. Um, if anyone's checked that out. I'm not familiar with it. Right. Well, at any rate, let's, let's start with his story. Uh, now, Barry got started in business at age 16. He actually started a carpet cleaning business out of his parents' basement. And he called it. Industrious fellow. Yeah, he called it Z-Best. Z-Best? Z-Best. And it was for Capital Z's, Z best. Okay, so industrious, if not particularly imaginative. Well, he got pretty imaginative later on, as you'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, at any rate, he's a 16-year-old. He has a lot of difficulties with his business because um, he, he can't even really get a checking account because in the state of California, where, where he lived, you can't sign legally binding documents until you're 18. Would his parents not do it for him? Well, this was all his business, you know. So, I mean, he was running the payroll and everything. I really don't know how involved his parents were, but he was having issues with it. His business was struggling as well. I imagine, you know, as a 16-year-old, you have trouble figuring out, you know, how much money should go into this for a budget, going to that, you know, how you pay I your employees. I can't imagine trying to juggle that at 16. No, and, and this guy had employees. It's not just, you know, this is not just him going cleaning carpet, right? Right. So um, he actually started stealing money from his uh, grandmother's jewelry box. Excuse me. So many stole jewelry. He actually started stealing jewelry from his grandmother and selling it in order to pay some of his expenses. Stand up guy. Yeah. And um, I think that that gives us some insight into where this is heading in the future. Yeah. yeah, If you you will steal from your own grandmother. Right. He ain't worried about stealing from you. There, there were uh, some interviews I, I watched. One with his uh, sister, his sister, or his cousin. I really don't recall, but she said that that uh, their grandmother complained about that till her dying day <laughs> that he had stolen that jewelry from her. Um, he also started kiting checks. I'm not sure what that is. I wasn't really sure what that was either. I had to look into it. Um, now. Apparently, he was able to get some checking accounts. I, I guess his parents helped him co-sign with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But basically, what kiting checks is, is you write a check from one checking account to pay something, right? Um, so you've got a bill. You pay it with this check. But you don't have enough money in that checking account to cover the okay. bill, right? Uh, what you do is write a check from another checking account that also doesn't have enough money in it to, to deposit in the check this first checking account to cover that check. <laughs> so you get a lot of time because they deposit that money and then they have to clear it with the other bank and stuff like that. So it buys you time to come up with the money? Buys you time to come up with the money. And even if you don't, you've, you've pretty much got that first thing paid. You know, right. You've overdrawn your checking account. Wow. So he was doing a lot of check kiting as well. Interesting. Uh, All right. 
yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, uh, yeah, this we didn't is just stuff- give anyone any ideas. <laughs> no, we, I'm we assuming really- this is illegal. Yeah, it, it, it is. Though, honestly, I'm not sure if you can still pull it off these days because of the way transactions go through. Probably instantly. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of banks can do instant transactions now, so I, I don't know if it even worked that's, anymore. That's a fair point. This yeah. was the 80s, uh, so things were, were a bit different. Um, some other things he was doing to, you know, start, you know, making ends meet here, pay the bills, he actually started making some fraudulent money orders. Um he staged fake break-ins. But when you say that he was, do you mean he was like counterfeiting them? Like, so actually, this is something uh, I watched in one of the documentaries. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, a guy uh, at the, the the store, or I'm not sure where it was, who's buying the money orders could have been the post office. Mm-hmm. Actually, left him alone with the machine that he they made money orders with. Back then, it wasn't a computer; it was a look kind of like a little typewriter that you know, puts indentions in the, in the paper with, you know, dies. Mm-hmm. Um, he left him alone with it and Barry just made up several money orders to pay bills. I mean, that's as good as cash. Yeah, it, it really is. And I don't even sure how, like who has to pay that out. You'd think it would come out of the stores accounts or something. I, I don't know, but um, I'm sure they have to account for everyone. Yeah. It has to come from somewhere, but yeah, he, he, he made some fraudulent money orders that way to, to, to pay some of his bills. He's actually, he was paying employees with those. But don't those have like uh, very specific tracking numbers on them? Can't you easily figure out which ones were fraudulent? I would say so. We, but, I mean, you could at least figure out which store they came from. Surely. But it doesn't mean that the store knows which ones were fraudulent, how much money they got for which money orders, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, the post office, wherever it actually was, he was getting right. Um, he also, outside of those, he was, uh, staging fake break-ins to commit insurance fraud. Wait, pretending to break into his own home? Uh, business. business. Well, yeah, though, um, uh, I don't know exactly what was, was getting stolen, but, you know, reporting something stolen, getting insurance paid. He said break-ins. He did this multiple times? Uh, he, over the course of his business, yes, he did. I don't know when he was 16, how many he... He did. Seems like but, there's only a set number of times you could get away with that. Perhaps. Hey, I'm not the con artist here. So. Uh, he was also committing credit card fraud by overcharging some of his customers. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and was this, it just a few dollars here and there, or did he go big? Oh, he, he went big. Uh, one lady in particular was charged six hundred extra dollars. Oh my god. Six hundred and eleven, I think she said, and. Um, I mean, that's something you'd notice. Why Why would he take money that they would notice? Well, I think a lot of people just didn't pay attention to what their carpet cleaning bill was. You know, people just put it on the credit card and then go on about their business. And then they say, oh, that was a big bill, but they don't do anything about it. I mean, they also, they can report it to the credit card company and try to get the money back. But he's getting some cash flow in the meantime right. uh, to, you know, pay his expenses. Uh, now... So he that, was using just about every dirty trick in the book to, he was. to stay afloat. Yeah, he was. And and the credit card fraud uh, may have actually started a bit later than the others. I just know he was committing that. Okay. Uh, now, eventually, Barry gets into business with a man named Tom Paget, And Tom is an insurance adjuster. Is he also a con man of some sort? Well, the, he gets into being a con man at this point. Um what Barry and Tom do is they create fake insurance claims for fake buildings 
And Barry's carpet cleaning service, Z-Best, branches out into doing insurance restorations. Like, you know, if a building was flooded or damaged by a storm or whatever, right. going in, doing the restoration work on it. Okay. Um, but it was all fake. And basically they were using How do you the, get away with inventing buildings? Uh, according to Barry, they, they just weren't checking to see if these places were real. I mean, I, I guess it's easy just to assume that the building they claim exists does. Right. Uh, and what they were doing is they were using the reports of profits from these these uh, restorations, mm-hmm. these fake restorations they were doing, to show banks and investors how much profit they were making. Right. So basically starting up a big Ponzi scheme. Yeah, right it's there. completely fraudulent. Completely fraudulent. You've got a lot just of people. to attract investors. Yeah, throwing money at them to invest. Uh, banks just giving them, you know, loans because they think they're good for it. They're making so much money. Right. And they've got a lot of cash flow at that point. Okay. Uh, now, um, they actually even create a... a I mean, this f- seems like a really leaky ship. I mean, like, like it's just barely staying afloat. It, it does seem that way. It, it, it's amazing to me they last as long as they did. But uh, Barry and Tom actually even created a, a fake uh, business just to verify to the banks and investors that they were doing this work. Okay. Yeah, it was. it's really insane. Uh, it was called Interstate Appraisals. Uh-huh. And it was... It, did even you know it didn't even really exist they were just forging paperwork to say yeah this is getting done this is you know the profit margins on it this is wow. you know everything like that they did you know the appraisals for what was required of the i mean again this seems like a like restoration a, a game of jenga that's just about to come crashing down at any moment you know and it, it goes a bit longer I, how how long was it, is he able to keep this up you just just wait sir. okay right. just wait now, he uses that money from the, the Ponzi scheme and the investors to expand his business. He, he expands all, all across uh, Southern California Okay, at the time. He's got carpet cleaning businesses everywhere. And strangely enough, the carpet cleaning business is doing legitimate work. It's on the up and up, other than the fact that it's being funded. So by he has this. actual employees who are doing oh, yeah. actual work? Yeah, they're doing actual. And, and uh, by all reports, they did a really good job of cleaning carpets. So... They're just not doing the those specific building restorations, or right? That they're not doing that at all. Uh, now, obviously, there was some credit card fraud against. I his, guess that helps sell the the scheme too, right? If you actually got legitimate employees, yeah, yeah, you've got legitimate employees, and people can see the work you've done. But however, they don't see the work you've done on the restorations, right? Because it was never done, right? But you, I mean, they know your businesses exist. They have all this proof of everything else. They're really not looking for fraud in this right. particular case, right? Uh, because most most instances of a Ponzi scheme like that, the business never actually made never existed, or the investment doesn't exist in the first place. Right. With this one, you had a legitimate business running, and it was just one arm of the business that right. was fraudulent. Okay, um, so that was something that I guess they just didn't look for at the time, mm-hmm. and they were wanting to make that money from the investment. So. Yeah, I mean, when you have every incentive not to detect fraud, you probably won't. <laughs> exactly right. So, um, at this point, Barry's wanting to get 
go back legitimate, right? He wants to get out of this Ponzi scheme with the investments, but he can't afford to. He can't afford to get out of all the investments and loans. So he's wanting um, to go completely legit. He is. He, he's wanting to get out of it because he knows that's a leaky ship. Right, right. right. And they come up with a plan to come up with the money. I'm sure this should be good. This is, this is going to blow your mind that they had the balls to do this. Uh, 1986 is one year after he graduates high school, right? Okay. He decides to take the company public. Wait, one year after he graduated high school? Yeah. And he's taking this company, this company, with all of these holes and quick schemes to stay afloat public. Yep. And, okay. and they have to go through all kinds of, you know, red tape and jumping through hoops just to get this done. Um, you know, there are, uh, you know, investigators, I guess you call them, that come out to just, you know, verify your business and everything like that. Make sure the buildings you're cleaning actually exist. Well, they didn't check the buildings to make sure they existed. But one thing they had to do is they had to rent uh, several floors of office space to create a place for uh, interstate appraisal services. So the illusion of an office. So the the illusion of an office, just so these people could go to interstate appraisal. Well, did, did they hire? Existed. Did they hire fake employees to like a, a fake receptionist? You know, I honestly don't know about that. They How may did he pull that off. He may have used some of his other. Man, that sounds like something out of a television show. Right. Well, he may use some of his other employees from. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. Like like. It, like um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It seems more like a, from a cartoon almost, yeah. right? I just pull the wool over somebody's eyes. Uh, he may have used some of his employees from from Z Best to go in there and, and work for a few days. They may have not had any I mean, idea but it seems like on. anyone that he brought in would have to be in on the plot, right? Maybe I I, I don't know. I don't know how that worked, but I, I mean, do know he he couldn't risk someone saying, "Yeah, we just set up here yesterday." Right, exactly. Uh, but I do know they rented fake office space for it. Um, really, really, I mean, that's insane. commitment. I'll give him that. Uh, but yeah, his plan is to make enough money from the IPO to get out from under the the uh, the Ponzi scheme, right? Um, but he doesn't really. And he's an instant millionaire as soon as it goes public. the The stock does really well, but he still doesn't have enough to fix all the issues. Uh, no, uh, no, he didn't. Just he didn't have the cash to buy out of it. Apparently, um. Yeah, because the the stock increase wouldn't be tangible cash he could spend. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now he, he they did sell a lot of stock, but apparently it wasn't. It just wasn't. It just doesn't have anything liquid. Yeah. Well, well, no. They, they. I mean, there was there was enough sales of stock in the IPO that there was liquid, you know, funding coming in, but apparently it just wasn't enough for him to get out from under all these, you know, investors and loans. Um, but they actually the the IPO went off without a hitch. Really? Somehow. Yeah. I don't know how the hell that works. No questions asked, no red um, flags raised. I mean they investigated them, but you know, they 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 wanted this IPO to go through because it looked like it was gonna make a bunch of money. Right. Uh this actually became like the fifth or sixth most popular stock on Nasdaq after a while. Okay. By by nineteen eighty seven the company's worth two hundred and eighty million. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of the problem with that is is once your company's worth more, the investments are worth more too, right? Right, right. So it's harder to get from under it. So He's looking for another plan to get out of the Ponzi scheme. Okay. Uh, so and, to do that, he needs to pay off everyone that's invested thus far, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He needs to pay them off. Okay. 
And it's, it's going to be a lot of money. Do you have any idea what the value of that is? I have no idea. I, I never got the exact numbers on what. But we're talking probably millions of dollars. Definitely right? millions okay. at this point, right? Because the company's worth $280 million at this point. Right. Um, but um, there is another company called KeyServe that's also a carpet cleaning company. Mm-hmm. And they have a contract with Sears to clean the carpet in all the Sears stores. So by the department stores, Sears, okay, yeah. yeah, just making sure. And, and that's a, that's a, a big contract. There's a lot of Especially money, then. a lot of cash flow. So they work out a merger with KeyServe. Okay. And they're trying to put everything together for this merger to go through. Okay. And while that's about to go through, it's in the news and everything, right? It's big news. This local company's gotten so big, right? Do you remember that $611 credit card fraud I was telling you about? Oh, dear Lord. Well, that woman held a grudge. Did she now? She did. Can't and, say that I blame her. And she never got her money back on it. You know, a lot of people got their money back from that credit card fraud, but she never did. And she was still angry about it. So she went to the media with the credit card fraud uh, right while this was deal was- Did this start some sort of through. avalanche of investigations? It, and then? it started a huge avalanche. And everything- you know, just just so just of, fell of apart. all the millions of dollars of fraud he had committed, it was a six hundred dollar overcharge to a credit card that got yeah. busted. There's some poetic there's justice. Some poetic justice. Yeah, it to, really, really is, isn't there? And I know, like that woman was thrilled. Oh, it had to have been. <laughs> you know, like that is. I hope she got her money back. Did she? You know, I'm not sure. I, I'm assuming she did at that point because there were lawsuits and everything. Then, but basically. Um, the credit card fraud is discovered. Um, stock prices just plummet because this is yeah. all over the news, right? Yep. When the stock prices plummet, the banks call the loans. Oh. And he can't cover them. And everything just crumbled, you know? Uh, it was estimated in the end that 90% of this company's profits were fake. 90%? Yeah, it's from from that fake insurance, uh, insurance fraud. Again, I... I mean, I don't know a lot about the stock market and how this works. I just, it is beyond me how with 90% fake profits, you could be that successful. Well, it's it's all on paper, you know, like really what investors want to see is that you're making these profits. They don't really want to see your cash flows right. all the time. They're just looking at your statements where you've done all these restorations and gotten all this money from it. And a lot of times they never look at your cash flows to try to corroborate that. They just see your earnings reports and they go with that. Now, uh, did he see jail time over there? uh, Yeah, he he really did. He was convicted of uh, racketeering, embezzlement, mail fraud, money laundering, securities fraud, uh, and tax evasion. Ah. Oh, you mean uh, during this entire time he wasn't properly paying his taxes either? Apparently not. That's that's surprising. Uh, so he was sentenced to 25 years, but he only actually served 11 of it. He was, he was released early. Um, something to note is that, uh, while he was in prison, he became a born again Christian. Oh, uh, the, the Jewish businessman became a born again Christian. Christian. And, um, he, so actually, he put his past of fraud behind him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he found religion and put that behind him. He actually did, uh, courses, through Liberty University mm-hmm. uh, so that he could become a pastor. Wow. Seems like he's really turned his life around there, Dan. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's doing so well. Now, uh, he got out of jail in 1995. Okay. And 
uh, started working as a pastor. Um, he wrote a book uh, called Clean Sweep that was about his scam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now all the profits to that really were going to you know pay back his um, his debts from the fraud, the fraud the scam. Right. Yeah. Um, but he does eventually start the Fraud Discovery Institute. It's it's a it's a you know like a like a former fraudster knows how to detect those things. So he goes into business, um, finding fraud different places. I guess you use the skills you have, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so was he investigating fraud, or was he just teaching courses on how it? On how he was it investigating. He was actually investigating it. Uh, people would come to him with reports of fraud, or what they thought might be fraud. He'd investigate it, get to the bottom of it. Okay. Because you know he knew what it looked like, right? Well, it's, it's good to see a story end with a, you know, with a clean slate. Well, that's not the end. Oh shit. Yeah. So let's fast forward up to two thousand nine. Well, now I don't like where this is going, Dan. Actually, I think you might really like it when we get to the end of this. Okay. Um, 2009, uh, a man named Nicholas Marsh uh, comes to his uh, Fraud Discovery Institute mm-hmm. uh, and is accusing a home building company uh, called Linner of fraud. Linner. Linner. L E N N A R. Linner. I'm not familiar with them, but they were they're big. Uh, so um, Minkow. And Marsh together uh, accused the company, uh, well, accused them of fraud. Minkow uh, specifically accused them of being a massive Ponzi scheme. And when all these allegations came out, their stock prices dropped from over $11 to six fifty five a share. So he came to, to him to investigate this company? Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Leonard filed an anti-libel suit against both Marsh and Minkow because obviously their allegations destroy their stock prices yeah. right um and uh during this trial this is you know the just the anti-libel suit right this is not even uh this is just 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 one person against another. this is not even about breaking laws right, right? This is civil just, just civil, civil just civil um it, it was found out that minkow forged uh documents to you know fake their their fraud wait so now he was accusing other people of fraud and faking documents to- yeah so Leonard did nothing. Maybe they did do something wrong, but Minkow faked a lot of the proof. The proof, uh, and also much more seriously than that. Well, well, serious in conjunction with it, I suppose, is he made a lot of money shorting winter stock. <laughs> he shorted uh, well, so much for that turnaround, right? I think he shorted twenty thousand close twenty thousand dollars worth of options. And of how much Leonard did he stock. make from this? I'm, I'm not really sure how much he made from it. I, I didn't find the exact numbers of how much he made from that because after well, that, after I mean, at least he didn't steal from the church. I thought that's where this was going. So hold on, hold oh, on, dear God, Daniel. We, we're not there yet. There's a little more with this. Uh, actually, after he shorts all that Leonard stock, mm-hmm. uh, and when the prices dropped, he buys a bunch back because he thinks it's going <laughs> to rebound. Uh, he is a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of like his style. I'll be honest. Like that—that that is audacity and right. it's fine. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I said shorting stock. I, uh, we're not like a financial channel. I should probably say like basically shorting a stock is uh, you make uh, investments which you're you're betting a stock will fall, right? Um, and uh, that that pays out a lot when it does fall, right? At, at any rate, um, 
It's part of the futures market. Right? Part of the futures market, uh, which is complicated. It's complicated. A lot well of it's above, above my head, but but I, I I know basically how that works because I saw the big short. Right. It's a good movie. Just check it out. Now he ends up pleading to uh, pleading guilty to insider trading because of this. Right. But during that scandal, it comes out that uh, some members of his church are accusing him of fraud and embezzling money. Uh, oh God! How using he... church funds to run his fraud discovery institute. Do we know how much he stole from the church? Uh, it's estimated he embezzled three million from the church. What is a church doing with three million dollars in the first? This is a big church in California, man. I mean, come on. Uh, so here, well, especially with such a good con man at the at the helm of it, right? Jesus you is getting paid. Some, apparently, some money. Well, Barry Minkow is getting paid, <laughs> right? So uh, what what's going on is uh, so just 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 to recap real quick yeah okay he committed a litany of frauds and scams and eventually got busted and went to prison yes he came back out and he actually sold books playing on his reformation right he was a reformed yeah. criminal and now he was going to help other people detect yes. fraud and he was a pastor now and he was a pastor born he, again Christian pastor and he used this new these new positions. To commit further fraud. Yes, he did. Wow. Yeah, it takes some real balls. Real stand-up guy. So let's talk about what he did with the church here. Um, he had been forging signatures on church checks. Mm -hmm. uh, he was using church credit cards for personal expenses, uh, diverting funds from church accounts. Uh, and he was actually uh, trying to defraud individual members of the church, too. Uh, he got 300000 from one woman in his congregation. Uh, as a donation, then uh, there's seventy five thousand from another member. But did they? Did he? What was it for? What, what was he telling them this? It was for uh, the seventy five thousand was to build a hospital somewhere. Is what he told uh, told okay. that man. So he, the, he was the, doing the Lord's work. The three hundred thousand. What I read was it was actually uh, meant to finance a, a a a movie about his him turning his life around. Okay. You can't make this shit up, dude. Nope. Can't make it up. It, this is very much real. Uh, so, yeah. He ended up pleading guilty to uh, conspiracy to commit bank fraud, wire fraud, mail fraud. How much did he get this time? Uh, God, I, I'm not sure, but he got out of jail in 2019. So he's out again. He's out again. I'm yeah. sure he's too old by this point to be scamming people. I hope so. I hope so. He he did that documentary for for uh, ID. I know, but uh, I really don't know what else he's doing right now. I I don't want to know because it would just open up too much in my mind of what he might be doing wrong. Right. Well, I, I, you know, at the very least, you can say he's lived an interesting life. <laughs> a very interesting life. I can't believe someone that defrauded so many people is walking the streets right now. You know. Obviously, not probably not welcome back at uh, the church anymore. Probably not. But yeah, that's um. So I'm assuming he doesn't have any of the illicit gains at this point. No, he he has been ordered to pay so much back uh, that I, I don't know. I mean, unless he had some stashed away somewhere right. that we don't know about, which is very possible. He he may have that stashed away in some account somewhere, like a, a rat hole somewhere. I don't mm -hmm. know, but. No, he's everything he had was seized to to pay off his debts. Well, and that's just story number one. That's, right? that's story number one. So is uh, he the worst of the offenders? Nope. Okay. 
Nope. Nope. But uh, maybe the most interesting. Okay. Uh, definitely. I, you know, I guess you could argue he's the worst, but... Um, yeah, but I guess none of these guys... Like, I, I, I don't want to say didn't hurt anyone because I'm sure they caused a lot of people a lot of serious financial harm. But have any of these guys, like, murdered anyone? No. Nope. Resulted in any deaths? No. So, I mean, they're, they're automatically like a cut. Well, a I cut above the general type we're dealing with here. Then. I, let me. I, we'll talk about it when we get to the other one. Okay. okay. Let's, let's, so, uh, let's, let's move along. Let's move all right. Along. So, who's up next, Dan? Now, I want to talk about a lesser known fraudster. Named Kyle Sandler. Kyle Sandler. I'm I'm not familiar with him either. Kyle was uh, born in Maryland, but really the story the story gets started in Opelika, Alabama. Uh-huh. Shows up in Opelika in 2014, and he wants to start up a, a business incubator. Right. Um, so if anyone that's not familiar, it's basically um, you have like a a big office space um, where where new entrepreneurs can come work. You provide mentoring for them. Basically, you know, they want to incorporate. You can provide them all the documents they need. Uh, you can teach them about business, stuff like that. So you said a business incubator? Incubator, yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. that makes sense. I can see yeah. the now, parallels. The, the reason he chose Opelika is because uh, Opelika was the first city in Alabama to get gigabit internet. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, I guess it was also, it's not a small town, but it's, it's not a big city either, right? And he probably knew that people here weren't used to big businessmen, right? right. Uh, I'm guessing. I mean, I've been to Opelika. They're probably still not. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's a nice place to live, yeah. you know? It's basically, um, it's, it's, uh, it's really close to Auburn, Alabama, if, you, if anyone is wondering. It's, it's really part of the same metro area as Auburn. But um, at any rate, he calls his incubator the Roundhouse, and he actually got the city council to give them their first year of the gigabit internet for free. Uh-huh. Which yeah, it's pretty good. Little is that just sort of an enticement to to get a new business there? Yeah, yeah. I guess you know he's pitching it to the 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 city council, and they, Makes they wanted his business there, right? Now, um, he claimed to have been one of the uh, early Google employees. He claimed to be. Claimed to be. And okay. he uh, said he made a lot of money from Google, and that's where he got his money to get into these startups and everything. And um, So he was pretending to be much wealthier than he was. Yeah. Now, this man was not wealthy at all. Okay. He was he was broke, but uh, he, he pretended to be a millionaire. And um, he also said that he'd had some other startups and, and made really good exits from them. You know, just he, he sold, the right sold them off. Yeah, at the right point and made a lot of money. But uh, nobody in Opelika ever tried to verify any of that. They just believed him. All right? uh, because you know what? I mean, it's a small town. You're not used to people breezing in, breezing in and telling a bunch of lies about this stuff. Right, right. right. Especially this guy that seems to know what he's talking about. Uh, now, what he does is he starts going around uh, town and getting investors. Um, he's, uh, I think he's selling uh, one share of stock for about $10,000. Okay. Yeah. One share? One share. I think at the time, there's probably, you know, there weren't supposed to be so many shares. It'll be splits later on. Right. You know, so um, that's what you have to assume. And um, so that was just the buying price for the. Yeah. And he talked it investment. up. Man. He talked it up and he was basically he's targeting older people that had money, but they really didn't know anything about tech. Right. It's not like a good investment, you know. So he convinced them this was going to be some sort of like 
huge tech startup. Yeah. In Opelika, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a huge deal. I mean, Opelika, Silicon Valley. Yeah. Well, he said he was going to make Opelika the, the Silicon Valley of the East. Let's Did he now? His, his exact words. Okay. You know, was, that was at least what, what someone said in an interview that he said. I didn't hear it straight from Kyle's mouth. Well, now, uh, go big or go home, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, he, he does. He gets a lot of uh, of entrepreneurs to come in and you know start doing work in the um, in the roundhouse. And a lot of these are like legit startups. Oh yeah, no, these these are. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be successful or anything, but these are, are legit people that are trying to start business. Because thus far, this seems like a legitimate business venture. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it couldn't have worked out if you know he had just done things a little bit better, but. Um. He did lie to a bunch of people, though. Right, right, right. Um, especially about his experience and his own personal wealth. Now, I mean, that having money and experience that opens doors that just would not otherwise be open to you. Right. And something else that opened a lot of doors for him is uh, someone who came to do work in the roundhouse. Mm-hmm. John McAfee, founder of McAfee, McAfee Antivirus. One of the... Most insane. Well, I say on the planet, not anymore. Not anymore. No, he but, he he is. I mean, now that guy, we could do an episode on. Yeah, I, I was like, thinking that we should do one. Drug on him, running, actually. murder, murder. Yeah, yeah. John McAfee is quite the character. Libertarian presidential candidate. Yeah, and according to Kyle, he says he actually gave him the idea to run for president. My God. Yeah, no way to verify to this point I mean, because McAfee. Honestly, dead, like, that could go either way. Right. It's yeah. as insane as John McAfee was. I mean, he could have just woken up one day and decided, hey, yeah, president, let's, that seems like a fun it. job. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you did a good job of interest in, in introducing McAfee because uh, I had written down here eccentric, pretty crazy. <laughs> eccentric. That's one word for it. <laughs> he also but, believed in a lot of government conspiracies. This dude. Like, you know, he thought the government was out to get everybody, which, I mean, maybe he was right. Ma- I don't maybe know. he was right. Who yeah. knows? Um, I mean, they were definitely out to get him because he was like millions of dollars. In arrears and taxes, so yeah, um, you know he was implicated Which in a murder in he Belize. Was ideologically opposed to paying. Yeah, he definitely was. Uh, then um, we, when, when uh, Tennessee was actually trying to extradite him uh, back to the states from Spain uh, in order, you know, for, on his tax evasion charges, mm-hmm. uh, when he killed himself in a Spanish jail cell, that's what happened. When John Mack killed himself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he probably really he probably really so. did. We're, we're, this isn't Epstein. We're yeah, let's let's about let's here. not get into the Epstein theories. At any rate, um, it seems like John McAfee actually gave him more credibility, even though I'm not sure that he should have. I mean, think about it. Like, what year was this? Uh, twenty twenty fourteen. When he started up, shit, John was already a crazy person by then. Yeah, but I, but I don't think his his escapades were really that well uh, that thoroughly cataloged at that point. So I think it'd be really easy for someone like John McAfee to give you a lot of clout. Yeah, no, I would say so. And uh, you know, John McAfee's actually working on a business at the Roundhouse. Then he starts up his presidential campaign while he's in Opelika, basically running it from the Roundhouse right. as well. That's I mean, like the looks- best thing that ever happened to this guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it was a big deal. It was a big deal for the roundhouse, and he was getting a lot more investors. <laughs> so, um, right, uh, it was uh, estimated by prosecutors later on that he had solicited more than one point eight million in investments. Jesus, and was that considered fraudulent? Well, yeah, because it was it was built on lies, false pretenses. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, 
the city of Opelika actually created a Kyle Sandler day as well. I'm assuming this is before they discovered the fraud. Oh, yeah, definitely before. Definitely before. Give me one second. I can't see my damn skull bar here. I mean, unless it's like a day where they all just get together, just go like spit on the ground or something. Maybe they do that now. I don't know. But that would be a, a good a good idea. You know, maybe he brought the... This joke won't work. Sorry. I can't say that. Okay. I was, I was going to say maybe he brought the town back together and they could make a statue of him, kind of like the bull weevil in... And Enterprise. I can see that. Um, Enterprise, Alabama is a town. Like, I mean, I, mean the, I can see why you didn't tell the joke. No, but it, I, I want to tell them because there's actually something really interesting about this. The, the Enterprise, Alabama is this town. Um, the entire South back in the early 1900s, they grew cotton and the economy was decimated by the, the boll weevil. It's a, a bug that kills cotton plants, right? So Enterprise credited this boll weevil with uh, allowing them to diversify their economy, start growing peanuts and other crops and stuff. And now they sort of like, I won't say they worship the boll weevil, but they have a big statue in the middle of the town of, of some the boll weevil, right? They, they love this boll weevil. So there's a McDonald's in Enterprise that just put out uh, a Ronald McDonald slash boll weevil statue. It's, it's a like a boll weevil dressed up like Ronald McDonald. And it's creepy as hell. I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, it is insane. It's, it's McWeevil. Anyway, you can cut that out if you want to, but I thought it was pretty McWeevil? pretty interesting. McWeevil. Okay. No, I think I'll keep the McWeevil. Yeah, well, you should put a picture of that in, man. If you can, if I'll you find it. Because okay. like, that thing is creepy. I, w- I would not pull into that McDonald's if I know what's going on right there. It's weird. So at any rate, uh, they created the Kyle Sandler Day, but <laughs> didn't deserve it. Uh, but his uh, now his prized inventor at the Roundhouse was not McAfee. It's this 13-year-old kid named Taylor Rosenthal. Okay. And Taylor. Please tell me he doesn't exploit the brilliance of a 13 year old kid. I'm not going to say the kid was really brilliant. I mean, the kid had some good ideas, but it, the idea was. Was he never, just convincing the kid that he yeah. had good ideas? He, well, I mean, it wasn't a bad idea, but he was convincing the kid that the idea was amazing when it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what, what he was billing it to be. Right. right, right. So uh, Taylor comes up with uh, an idea for a vending machine uh, for first aid supplies, basically. Um, but. It really wasn't a new idea at the time. These things existed already. Oh, did they? Okay. But um, but Kyle is like making a big deal of this. He came up with this revolutionary new idea, right? That, um, you know, like Six Flags was going to buy a bunch of these units to, you know, vend, you know, first aid stuff. If, you know, somebody needs first aid at the park or something like that. Seems to me if you need um, first aid at a, at a Six Flags, it's probably going to be a little worse than some cuts and bruises. Well, I mean, you could fall and scrape your knee or something, but... I suppose so. I'm thinking, like, bigger. Yeah, yeah. Now that's making me think about that... Horrific video. Horrific video. Yeah, let's not talk about let's that. Not get that. Yeah. Whew. That was sad. That was hard to watch. Yeah, I didn't want to get on the, the subject of something happened to kids in this one, so let's go back to this. Uh, but at any rate... And he, he got a lot of media attention for this, right? He was saying this is going to be a, a, a big multi-million dollar uh, invention. Uh, he called the company RecMed... And Kyle gets him a lot of uh, media attention. He gets a lot of attention online with social media. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the news stations start picking this up and reporting on this um, this new, you know, local 13-year-old kid that's the next up-and-coming entrepreneur. And it just takes off because it's a, it's a good story. Oh, yeah, of course. That, you know, that's the kind of things is, that media outlets eat up, man. Yeah. pieces on young kids. And, and suddenly, you know, he's getting national attention. Does that mean – a lot of investment capital too. To the to the roundhouse. I'm guessing it doesn't make it to what was that company? Med. Rick Med. Rick no, Med. no. Technically, uh, 
how that's supposed to work with these incubators, I guess, is uh, the the roundhouse is supposed to supply him what he needs. So people invest in the roundhouse, and the roundhouse has a percentage. So of what he's doing right now is he's created like a junior Bill Gates, effectively, the, of uh, of the vending machine for, for media, that, getting media attention to it. Yeah, creating like a what was her name like an Elizabeth Holmes effect. Yeah, right? like an Elizabeth Holmes doing. effect. Really, but he's using this kid instead of himself. Yeah, yeah, he is. And uh, Taylor is like going to you know, conferences and speaking like he's on like national news media and, and he's telling everybody how he, he turned down a $30 million offer for rec med. And that's when people get suspicious of a 13 year old kid turning Turning down down 30 million million for his, like they didn't even have a working prototype. Like an idea. It was an idea. They didn't have a working machine or anything. Well, when he says he turned down 30 million, does he believe that he turned down 30 million? He did at the time. That is, is, we know now Kyle just made that up, just right. told him someone offered $30 million and advised him and not, not to take it. it. Yeah. And Taylor was was saying, you know, on the news that, you know, his magic number is $50 million. That's what he'd take for right, it. Right, right. Um, yeah. But the media loves For Taylor. an idea without even a working prototype. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Now, like I said, people get suspicious. Yeah. No and obviously Kyle had fabricated that. I mean, obviously now, people didn't know it at the time. But moving moving on there, um, people are already suspicious, right? And in 2016, Kyle opens up a second roundhouse in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. And he starts spending a lot of time there and away from Opelika. Okay. Wonder why. Yeah. Uh, it it uh, coincidentally comes at the same time that the investors start to have a lot of questions for him. Um, he just happened to be somewhere else at the time. Yeah, because he, he, hasn't, he hasn't made any profits yet. No profits yet on the roundhouse. Uh, Even with all the media attention he got for the kid, they didn't rack in a lot of of money for the company? Well, I mean, investments. Usually when you get that sort of attention, it comes from investments. investments. Yeah, but you're not getting profits. Investments are profit, right? Okay, fair enough. Um, It's it's, it's basically, again, this is working like a Ponzi scheme kind of, right? You're getting investments, but there's no money coming in. Now, I will say for, for an incubator like that, usually don't expect money to come in that early right, unless you know because yeah, you have to have a business has to have an idea yeah get out there you have to get started right yeah. to actually start making profit like that seems like a long-term it, it business is model. uh but from what i can understand he really didn't explain that to his small town investors that mm-hmm. way he and, wanted money uh, now so he convinced them they were going to get money quickly yeah exactly and they're having questions like you know you haven't shown any profits there's not no money has come in, in so this. while he started this new one in mobile has the media attention around this the, the new Wonderkin, has that died down some? No, no, Taylor's still getting attention, but okay. um but but the problem is that just you know, you have people asking questions. And you and a lot of that is being suspicious that they didn't take the thirty million yeah. for Rec Med because that would have paid those investors a lot of right, money. Right, right. Now um Yeah, I didn't think about that. They had to be really upset that they turned down thirty million dollars. Yeah, yeah, I would be. Right. Now eventually uh Kyle just says, you know what? I'm going to buy everybody. I'm going to buy all the investors. Okay. Because he's a wealthy businessman, right? Right. He right. can do that. And he says- That's what, what wealthy businessmen do, sir. He says what he has to do is he has to wait for his annuity that year because he put all his money from Google in an annuity and he got a million dollars every year from okay. it because he didn't want to risk just blowing through all of it. Okay. Um, Seems reasonable. So they had to wait for the date his annuity would come through so he get his million dollars he could buy everybody out. Okay. Well, that day keeps getting closer and closer. And, and, and let's just, to repeat, 
right? To make sure everybody's caught up here. There is no Google money, right? That was just, that was a, he made that up, the whole. Complete fabrication. He never worked for Google. Okay. Um, so there's, it's reasonable to suspect there is no Google annuity. No Google annuity either. Okay. He actually um, uh, fabricated a, a, a document showing all his investments for the annuity to show to a couple of his like higher up employees. Right. And one of them called him on and said, like, I saw you Photoshopping this crap. <laughs> so they weren't fooled. And well, not at that point. They, they saw it. And that's really when it starts to come out that this is, this is not working. And, um, so he tried to, did he even know what that sort of document should look like? No, he, he, he knew he, this, this guy, you know, we find out later he's been committing fraud for a long time. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, he had a good idea of what it should look like. It's just happened that somebody walked up on him, Photoshopping the fidelity, uh, emblem on the top of the page. <laughs> Cause he knows how to fake stuff, but he doesn't know how to go in a private room with his laptop. I mean, it but, seems uh, like you're putting all this thought into it. You could close a door behind you, right? You, you'd think so, right? Uh, but he was he was up against it. I think, you know, he'd been in a lot of stress at the time. And um, I, mean, I guess screwing people out of millions of dollars is hard work. Well, when they're coming after you for their money, it is. Yeah. And uh, so, so Kyle, um, you know, after that, he basically comes in to the roundhouse and tells everybody, I'm shutting it down. You know, there's no more money. I don't have money to, to run this anymore. <laughs> Everything's over. All the, the and I'm sure everybody just forgave and forgot, right? Oh, I mean, all the you know, all the entrepreneurs are just like tore up about it because you know they have these businesses they're working on. And everything's just gone. But now, what about right? the investors? Well, they the investors furious. were very upset. But the next day, when the investors come to the roundhouse, see Kyle about this. Kyle's nowhere to be found. He's skipped town. Okay. Now. Obviously, at the point he skips town, law enforcement gets involved, and they they contact the FBI. And uh, the FBI, you know, when they start looking into him, find out that that he has committed just all kinds of fraud in the past. You mean he never worked at Google? Never worked at Google. He's been forging checks. Um, he's getting loans under false identities. Okay, you know, just just crazy crap like that. It was, it was nothing on the level of this, obviously, but he, he had committed a lot of fraud. And, um, I've never heard of this guy before either. No, no, he's, he's not as big a deal as some of the others we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, especially the next one we'll get to in just a few minutes. Okay. But, uh, they ended up finding, uh, Kyle a couple of years, a couple of years later in Texas. And, um, there's, uh, in the uh, generation hustle episode about Kyle, mm -hmm. Uh, there's footage of the, the cops approaching him and his wife comes up and they're explaining to his wife, you know, about, um, about the, this man's, you know, a fraudster, serial did, fraudster. Does she have any idea? Had no idea about it. And she also didn't have any idea. See, Kyle was married to three women at one time. Oh my God. Like he, he would marry someone and then he'd end up skipping town and never bothered divorcing them. So this was his third marriage. <laughs> And, uh, well, at least he stayed busy. Yeah, yeah. All that fraud didn't have time for divorces, right? So, uh, so she couldn't have been happy. No, no. She was she was pretty upset about that. I imagine, you know. Anyway, um, in uh, I, I hate to laugh. A lot of people lost money on this. It was just it's I mean, hilarious. It's so it's so ridiculous. It's, There's it's no so way ridiculous to that this happened. But yeah, um, in uh, in 2018, he. Uh, he pled guilty to uh, two charges of fraud. He was sentenced to 63 months in prison, but he was released early in February of 2022. 
living in a halfway house now. So please tell me that he doesn't go back into the fraud. I don't people. know. He just got out. Like this, this was just like less than a month ago. He got out. So it's hard to say. Um, but he wasn't quite as audacious as the first guy, but entertaining nonetheless. I mean, creating the, the, like the mini Elizabeth Holmes. Oh to, yeah. Yeah. To that get was, all the media attention for you. That, that, that's a nice touch. That was, a nice touch. He, was, he was smart about it, right? He does claim, though, he wasn't actually trying to commit fraud here. He was, he says he was trying to honestly run an incubator. And he wanted to run the roundhouse like a real business. Just with lies and deceit. Well, just with lies and deceit about his money and stuff. And he says he does admit that he was using some bad business practices when he did that, though. Oh, that's... Uh, one of which is he was basically just using the company accounts as his own piggy bank in his own oh. words. I mean, this guy was buying fancy cars and all kinds of oh, crap Jesus. with that money. So, um, you know, that that's more than bad business to me. Yeah. That's fraud. It's fraud. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that qualifies. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, no, to be fair to him though, Early on, early in the story, it does seem like a legitimate business venture. No, it does. And I mean, Other it, than the lying to investors to get the money quicker. You know, I, I guess it could have been. Yeah, I'd say a lot of cases of fraud, you know, could have become legitimate businesses. But they just, because you lost money. people a lot of money, you get in trouble for it, right? Right. Uh, but but you, you can't lie to people about this stuff. Now, um, one, one final note I'd like to add about this is there were multiple people in that uh, there were interviewed for the American, uh, excuse me, for the uh, for the Generation Hustle episode, mm-hmm. said that um, they should have known because his favorite show was American Greed. He just watched it all the time. I'm not familiar with that, actually. It's, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just it sounds a show. Appropriate. Yeah, it's just a show about um, about people who have defrauded other people. Oh, people, okay. Basically, so. Yeah, there's there's tons of seasons of it. I think, I think I've, I've watched several. I think it's on Peacock. But, um yeah, you guys should check that out if you're into this kind of stuff. But yeah, that's Kyle Sandler. Okay, like I said, not not as audacious as the first guy, but again, the, the whole creating the the young wonderkin entrepreneur to raise money that, that that's a good touch. It's a good touch, and just the fact that he like breezed into this small Alabama like town, turned it upside and, down. Yeah, turned upside down. I mean, you know, like he didn't like ruin Opelika. You know, Opelika is a nice place still. Like right. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a crazy story. But shall we move on? Uh, so you you said we saved the the worst for last, right? The best known, at least. It's hard to say he's well. Who is it? It's Billy McFarlane. That's the Fire Festival guy. That's the Fire Festival. We're going to talk about Fire Festival. We're going to talk about Fire Festival. Um, definitely the highest profile, and while he. He caused more financial trouble for people. Um, I don't think he meant to do it the way Barry Minkow did. Right. Um, he also caused quite a bit of heat stroke, didn't he? Oh, God, yeah. Now, he, he did. That's what I was saying. He did cause physical harm to people. Right, right. It wasn't, that's what you were talking about. It wasn't really on purpose, but he did cause some. If if uh, I'm going to assume everybody listening to this episode knows about Billy McFarlane or the Fire Festival. If you haven't. After you after you watch this episode, I highly advise uh, Internet Historians documentary on the Fire Festival. Right. So good. So uh, it's basically this uh, this festival that uh, music festival Coachella mm-hmm. that uh, that he came up with, and 
it was a huge train wreck. They didn't, they didn't deliver anything, but we're going to get into it in just a minute. Um, sorry, Billy McFarlane. Um, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was 25 during that fire festival. Was he? Ordeal. Very young. Damn. Um, but that's not where he really got started. His story really starts with a company. A credit card company, wasn't it? Yeah, Magnesis. 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 Um, And later on, people have said, yeah, this was kind of a scam, too. They just didn't realize it at the time, right? Right. right. Um, So let's talk about Magnesis, because even if you know about fire, a lot of people don't know about Magnesis. Um, Magnesis came about because basically Billy was jealous of all these people that had MX black cards. Okay. Right? Uh, because it's this huge status symbol, this black Amex credit card that, you know, no limit. It means you're uber wealthy if you've right. got it. Get you into all kinds of places that you just can't go otherwise, right, right? right? So he comes up with the black card for millennials, as he calls it, right? And calls it <gasps> Magnesis. And um, the crazy thing about Magnesis is it's not really a credit card. Um, it's like a prepaid thing then? No, it was a it was a card, but you couldn't use it to pay for stuff unless you linked it to a debit card or credit card you already had. So basically, you link it to your Capital One card, and you run your Magnesis card, and you're charging your Capital One. So it was just like a proxy for payment? Yeah. That seems like a terrible idea. Terrible, terrible idea, right? Uh, but but it really cashed in on FOMO, right? right. The fear of fear missing, missing out. out. Um yeah, because millennials, we have that in spades. Yeah, but um, there, there was more to it than just the just the payment method of having this this fancy black card, right? Um, it was supposed to come with a lot of perks uh, with having it. Like they had to pay an annual fee of two hundred fifty dollars, but they they were supposed to get access to members only events and special parties. A two hundred and fifty dollar annual fee for millennials. Yeah. Holy God! Well, this is in New York too, so. I mean, it's not like they're not already paying like you know thousands for rent, or right? Right. <laughs> right. You don't need that anyway. Um, this is not sounding very attractive thus far. But no, but the thing is, is he was advertising these parties he'd have with, you know, really famous people that would come to the party, and you'd be like, they'd perform, but you're, you know, rubbing elbows with these people, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, like Rick Ross. He had Rick Ross come to an event for for his Magnesis card, right? And this is a big thing, because if you get to go to a party with, with Rick Ross or Ja Rule, who ends up involved with it eventually. Yeah, I, I remember um, Ja Rule's involvement. Yeah, yeah, Ja Rule eventually becomes the, the face of Magnesis. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And he's also, uh, there there were some other perks, because you're supposed to get special rates on tickets to like concerts and other events too, mm-hmm. like that he would sell through the Magnesis website. If you're a member, you can get that. So think of it as like, you know, it's like a... Like being a part of Costco or Sam's Club for you know event tickets, right? You right, get a discount right. on these things. Uh, but you know, I'm, you know, it turns out later on he was selling um, he was selling fake tickets to stuff. They didn't know it at the time, but uh, he sold fake tickets to the Met Gala, <laughs> to Hamilton, to, to the Coachella. Met yeah, seems like that'd be pretty easy to catch on to. You know, I, yeah, I would think so, right? But uh, he was just trying to cash in on it at the time. I don't know how the hell people didn't just, like, blow up on him. Like, well, uh, you know, uh, Met Gala tickets, but whatever. Uh, obviously, the Hamilton ones, too. You know those are, like, you got a bunch of tickets for Hamilton at that time. At least it's reasonable to have tickets for Hamilton, though. Yeah, but, I mean, there were so, there were, well, you know what, though? There were a ton of fraudulent Hamilton tickets at the time. So oh, were like, they? He could, oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a racket. He okay. could have, um, he could have 
just you know said oh i must have gotten a hold of some bad tickets or something i, I don't right. know what excuse you may have had fake tickets to coachella too though but this really didn't come out until later right now um like i said ja rule became a spokesperson for for magnesis and um that's really how he, he got to know ja and ja is very involved with fire i'm sure some of you know um but uh billy comes up with the idea for the app fire and he said he came up with it when he was trying to hire Ja Rule to do a Magnesis event. Okay. That he had a lot of trouble, you know, figuring out how to hire Ja Rule to do something. And Fire, before it was ever a festival, was an app that Billy had come up with the idea for. Um, and apparently he, he and Ja were both involved in this idea. And it was a booking app, um, as Billy described it, to, to book talent. And this is not like, you know, an app to book a clown or a magician you know for for timmy's birthday party right. right um it's for the uber wealthy to you know to book beyonce for timmy's birthday right. party right you know what i'm saying like uh you, you can book like really big acts on fire that's the selling point now i am not very wealthy i'm not a millionaire and i'm you know never going to be hiring you beyonce. know like Beyonce or Snoop Dogg or Taylor Swift or somebody to, you know, play an event. Uh, but I don't know if I'd be wanting to use just like an, an app to do it. You'd think there'd be someone you contact to set this stuff up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, it may have actually been a pretty good idea. It sounded good anyway. The, the fire apps. Like if I'm going to tell good. people that Taylor Swift is performing at my event, I want more than just a, a confirmation a, on an app. A confirmation on an app. that yeah, I have, right? you, Don't you think so? At any rate though, um, this is the idea, and and the fire app seems to take off. It's getting uh, it's getting investors. People people like the idea of it, and, and it sounds good on paper, right? Like, right, I, right. I think it does. I, it, well, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I think there's some holes I mean, in it's, it. It's 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 so niche. It's hard to say it's a great idea, but it, you know, it, it's, it's an not, idea. It's not it, a terrible idea. It takes off. You got Jaw Rule involved. It right? would probably have more utility if it uh, if it was for the average person. Yeah, but I mean, given your small demographic, uh, you know, expected user base, I don't know if it's a great idea, but it's not awful. I don't know. But anyway, so Billy and Jaw, they hang out a lot at this point. Okay. And they took a trip to the Bahamas. All right. And this is while they're working on the fire project. And while they're in the Bahamas, they visit an island called Norman's Key. And. They just love this island. It's a it's a great place. It's it's not a very big island. Um, great beaches. You know, it's it's a great place. And they come up with the idea: this would be the perfect place for a luxury music festival like Coachella. And they come up with this idea to have a festival. Really, it's just, just to promote their fire app is the idea at the time. Right. The fire festival, and uh, they inquire, you know, with the owners of the island if they can, you know. Really? lease this island for the festival and um and they're playing it for about six months out at the time right and uh they're like yeah but as it turns out this um island at one point belonged to a high-ranking uh, member of pablo escobar escobar's cartel mm -hmm. and the current owners of the island said you can use it but you cannot use the name pablo escobar in any of your you know promotional material we don't want to put that out there which they immediately did right they that's exactly what they did so what they do to advertise this is they um they uh hire a bunch of supermodels um including bella hadid so you know how expensive she is right yeah. 
Well, I, mean, I don't know exactly how expensive she is, but I know she's Well, hot. I mean, yo, she's, she's, I don't know exactly either, but I know it costs a lot of money to get her down there. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of her, a lot of other supermodels, you know, and they, they come down to Norman's Key and they basically just film them like hanging out on the beach, partying on the island, swimming, stuff like that. You're having a, a good time. They're filming all these supermodels. And I mean, what better idea to advertise your luxury festival, right? right? To think these supermodels are going to be hanging out there. gorgeous women right? hanging yeah. out there. Yeah. My microphone. Now they they film all this material, and in their promo material they talk all about this being Pablo Escobar's island. Right? Of course they do. Um, and then they hire a lot of social media influencers to post about the fire. Now festival. this part I remember, and if it's what they're posting is just like these orange tiles that that said fire on it and. Um, and you just click the click on it, and it'll take you to the website for the fire festival. And it, it's got all these, you know, the the videos of the supermodels. It's got the ticket prices, all these packages and stuff you can buy. And they start selling tickets for it right away. And you know, about that time, uh, the owners of the island see all this material, and they are furious, furious understandably, about because they don't want the attention about this being Pablo Escobar's island, right? We had we had one rule, yeah, one right? rule, and you you broke it. Don't mention the, the Coke overlord's name, right? Yeah. That's all we ask. We don't want to be associated with the drug kingpin. Yeah, yeah. Billy was like, oh, that's the best thing to mention, though. Right. People love Pablo Escobar. And uh, There is kind of a weird cult obsession with him. Yeah, yeah there is. And um, anyway, though, so they say, you can't use the island anymore. You broke the contract terms. It's done. So they got four months left till find a new this island? festival, and they have to find a new location. Keep in mind, um, read a lot about this, and most experts say a festival of this type takes uh, 18 months to two years to plan and execute. Really? Yeah, and they're looking at four months now, and they don't have the location. Shit. Well, I guess we now understand why it gets as bad as it does. Yeah. Now, Billy, he thinks he can pull this off, right? Of course he does. you know, like, this guy's like, go big or go home, right? And... uh, he just keeps moving forward. And by the time they find the new location, they've got like two months left. Okay. And, you know, they build it as this, this private island, the Fire Key. But they end up putting it on a larger island with uh, sandals on it. And this uh, is... What is that? A sandals, sandals is a, a, a big chain of uh, resorts. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Like... Um, yeah, so I've never been to one either. Sorry, sir, but I know about them super on TV. But it's just like a luxury resort you go to, and like you know, go to you know, hang out in these beaches and get spa treatments and junk like that. Right? Okay. Um, was it roughly the same size as the original one? No, no. This this island's quite a bit bigger, and like, like I said, there's a sandals on it, and there's a lot of people that live on this island too, okay. right? And and so they're actually like they're just leasing a part of this. And I think they actually lease it from the Sandals Resort. Uh, it was supposed to be like developed into a parking lot at some point and it just never got done. Right. right? And it's, it looks nothing like what they've advertised. It's not even on the beach. It's, <laughs> um, it's like gravel and there's some pavement and stuff. It just looks like crap. So too. it went from Island Paradise to, to old parking lot. To we paved Paradise and literally put up a parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it, it did. Um, of course, you know, none of the, People and they didn't even get to Counting Crows. <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't even book Counting Crows, apparently. But um, at any rate, they, they find this place. And, and, you know, the ticket holders, they don't know what this new place looks like. But this is, you know, 
first big red flag here. This place is not a good spot for it. Um, But again, it's not going to be possible to do this, right? You you have to think, you have to build an infrastructure for this kind of thing. The logistics alone for planning something like this. And and they're selling private villas on the website, like tickets to the the festival and you stay in like private villas as well, right? Um, So they they sold a lot. Do they at least have access to the things that they're selling? Oh, God, no. They haven't even been built or anything. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so they 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 had they were selling general admission tickets at first, and I think it was a thousand dollars. Just for, to be clear, he's selling uh, lodging that has yet to be built. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, and has two months to do it. So again, that they, they sold a bunch of general admission tickets. You know, just just general admission to the the festival, to the show, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And those were going for a thousand dollars, but Billy realized I can't finance this thing. You know, I can't pay for everything by people just buying thousand dollar tickets. Right. So suddenly general admission is sold out. Like who's ever heard of general admission getting sold out before everything else? Yeah. Whatever though. And they start selling these packages for your private villas. Right. Okay. And these cost like 25,000 to buy one of oh, these tickets. Right. There was one package I saw in one of the documentaries. There's several documentaries about this. Uh, that was, you know, over 250,000 for this, this ticket package. The private villa. It was a larger private villa that several people could stay in. But yeah, two hundred fifty grand. Lord. Yeah. And again, it didn't exist. Didn't exist. And you know they have to build all this stuff. And not just that, they need power. They need water. You have to run power and water to all this stuff. You have to build bathroom facilities, and they're they're building luxury bathrooms, right? Uh, for the it turns event. out to be a bunch of porta potties. It, it did. Yeah, it did. Um, uh, gourmet food. You have to build these kitchens, uh, food venues. You have to build all of that. You know. I loved how the gourmet food turned out. Yeah, yeah, that was that was iconic, really. Uh, which we'll get into in just a second. And uh, it's it's not possible. And Billy cannot stop himself. He's got money from investors. He thinks this is going to be the next Coachella. He thinks it's going to be the biggest music festival ever. So he's just delusional. He's del- he's completely delusional. So we've got like two months until the festival, and nothing's built. And he has none of the none of these buildings that he's selling at. No infrastructure. They have no water or electricity. No. They've booked acts. They've booked some acts, and they apparently hadn't paid them yet. Um. So they're realizing we're not going to get all these private villas built. You know, they've built some. You know, they're working on it. So he finds out he can get a bunch of leftover FEMA tents and um, big white FEMA tents. And he buys a bunch of these FEMA tents, just sets them all up on the island for housing. Could you imagine paying for a private villa and then getting a FEMA tent? Getting a FEMA tent. Yeah. Like the private villa with air conditioning and everything, with power and water. And now you've got a FEMA tent. You've got a FEMA tent, yeah. Where all of your personal belongings are going to get stolen. Yep. And, uh, whew. Yeah, I, I cannot and imagine how uh, serious people had to have been, dude. Again, they were just bringing in porta potties for their luxury bathrooms. I don't even know if they ever built any shower facilities. I don't know if that happened or not. I think showering was probably the least of some of these people's worries. It's not like they stayed very long when it, when it got started. Um, well, my understanding is some of them stayed a hell of a lot longer than they intended to. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. But here, here's the big problem with this. Billy still can't pay for everything, even though people are buying tickets hand over fist. He can't afford to finance this festival. So he's... Uh, you know, begging for new investors. He's taking out loans, doing everything he can to get money to just get this all set up. Right. <laughs> and, um, it's, uh, it's not going too well. He starts overvaluing the, uh, the fire app, trying to get more investors, mm-hmm. um, saying that it's doing, you know, like 
millions of dollars in bookings and really it's only done like 57,000. Okay. Which there's fraud right there. That's a huge lie. Uh, he's also was lying about how much he was worth uh, personally. Like, like he was creating documents showing that he had all these Facebook shares and all his other investments. And he didn't have that. He wasn't worth anything like that. So it gave these people a really false sense of security. They're investing. So he in was doing stuff. all this just in a panic, trying to get the necessary funds mm-hmm. to pull this off. Right? Cause the, cause clocks are ticking. Yeah. How much time does he have at this point? Well, it's hard to say because this is happening over the right, two months, right? right? Um, but so he has at most two months at this point. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not even that much at this point. You know, like he's, he's panicking. He can't pay for it. He can't pay the workers that are building stuff. He can't pay his own employees. I don't know how you're supposed to like make a profit on this when you can't even set up the festival for the the money that everybody's paying to come to right. it. Right. It seems like the money that's coming in is still not enough to cover the expenses. Right. He's losing money. So he comes up with another idea to get some cash flow. And this isn't just completely out of the realm of possibility because other festivals do this. I think Coachella does it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, he was he sent an email that everyone's going to use an armband uh, to pay for things. Yeah, I remember it's that. It's going to be a cashless festival. And he wants them all to deposit money into their armband account, their fireband account, so they'll have plenty of money to spend at the festival. Right. And he said he was suggesting $300 per day of the festival to spend. Wow. Big I spender. I mean, I never... How much money does he think the average person has? Well, people that can buy these tickets. Like, How much was the, were the cheaper ones? $1,000 for the cheapest tickets. I mean... And most people pay at least twenty-five grand to go. Jesus. Okay. So maybe you, the demographics here is different than the people I'm used to dealing with. Right. Well, I mean, like, you know, it's all rich people that go to Coachella, right? I don't know how much they pay for food and stuff at Coachella, but, and, you know, people want to stay hammered all day, I imagine, by a lot of alcohol, but $300, my God. At any rate, uh, so then people start charging up these bands, depositing money on their band accounts, and even still not enough money to pay for everything, right? It's, it's insane. Billy cannot pay for any of this stuff. He's still, like, he still to this day has workers that have well, been Well, how paid. is he making anything off the, the band accounts? Is he taking a percentage? No, he's not taking a percentage, but he's, you know, basically just getting the money and there's just cash flow for him when they deposit the money. Wait, I thought it was on their bands, though. Well, it is. And it's still, technically, they have whatever money in that account they can use on food at the festival and stuff. Like, I mean, the festival owns all the food. Stuff right, and everything, right, right. Okay, so, okay. I, I, I get it now. But I it's just it's just cash flow for Billy when they deposit the money. He's got all this money to, you right. know, he's actually paying lenders at this point, too. Like, because he took out some really, he took out those basically like a payday loan See, for $3 I million. Didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize that the whole band idea was just another desperate attempt to raise cash flow. I thought it was just like a stupid gimmick that they came up with. Well, like I said, there are other big festivals that use the bands. They want you to go cashless. I mean, you don't want to carry yeah, I, I, cash. I, I understand the temptation, right? yeah. Um, but at any rate, um, yeah, he still can't pay for everything. And it's it's time for the festival at this point. And okay. This stuff's not ready. They got some tents, you know. They got a couple places to get food. Some cheese and crackers. It was cheese sandwiches, Oh, sir. was it cheese sandwiches? I'm sorry. Um, they've got tons of liquor, uh, but they didn't. So these people are now starting to pour into this not island. Well, yeah. The, a tropical resort. Yes. And the night before, Blink-182 drops out. The night before the festival was supposed to start. Uh, because they haven't been paid. None of these acts have been paid. Jesus. And Blink-182 Did, did they publicly out. say that when they dropped out, that they hadn't been I, paid yet? I, I don't think they announced why, but I think all the other bands knew that they hadn't been paid either when Blink-182 dropped out, and then other bands started dropping so out, too. So that started a cascading effect? Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of the bands ever actually tried to come to the island, even. 
because what's Blink-182 wouldn't drop, drop out when they haven't paid anything. You would think if you want a music festival, that that'd be like the first thing you pay, the music. You would think so, but when you don't have a stage for them to play on, what are you going to do? Right. Hadn't even built the stage yet? Well, I'm not saying they hadn't, but they had to build the stage, right? right, I, right. I mean, they probably built the stage. I don't know. I, they never got to the point of trying to listen to any music, so... At any rate, uh, the night before also, Blink-22 drops out, and there comes a huge downpour, right? Just a, an insane storm. Okay. Soaks these tents. Soaks everything inside the tents. And this it's, is before the people show up? Before the people show up. It's not, it's not even livable anymore, right? Like, you can't, like, nobody want to stay in this. I mean, it's just know? like one, one final slap from God. Like, like honestly, like, like at this point, like homeless people in LA will be like, I can find something better. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, this is so, I don't want to say this. And people start pouring in, right? They, 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 they fly into Miami and from Miami, they're supposed to catch these little private jets, and, luxury jets to take them over to the, the, the Island. And, and to be clear at this point, th- there's no public inkling that this is not working out. Right. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, they they all still believe that this is going to be this glorious. Best thing ever. Right. Best thing ever. So they're supposed to get on these uh, private luxury jets and fly over. But they're, instead, these big planes are all economy class. They fly them from Miami to the airport. On, Was that their on first the inkling? That maybe That's the so- first hint. Something's wrong. And then they stick them all on these old school buses and drive them out to the festival side. Right, too. And... Um, and then they pull up and they see this big gravel lot, no beach, <laughs> FEMA tents everywhere. You can see the FEMA logos on the tents. And these kids are panicking at this point. One of the documentaries is talking about how like the people on the bus just burst out into tears when they saw the saw the site for I've the seen, festival. I've seen some videos of people panicking. It's I mean, it's sad, but it's also kind of funny, I'll be honest. Yeah, and uh I hate laughing at people's misery, but Sometimes people's miseries. Well, we're in the, the only ones. I mean, like funny. every late night show, every radio station, everyone's making fun of this at the time. You know, right. um, and they get there and they don't even have a system for people to find their tents and their villas or anything. And they're just standing in line. They, they just make lines because they don't know what to do. They so just people are just lines. wandering around, like picking whatever tent they can find. Well, not right? yet until Billy gets up on a table and says, everybody just go find yourself a tent. And it's chaos at that point. Everybody just goes, tries to find tents. Like people can't find a place to live. You, you're having to go grab mattresses off big stacks what of mattresses. What about the people? How did he explain this to the people who, who had paid $20,000 for a private villa? I don't think he really is doing any explaining at that point. At this point, people are just trying to survive the night, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, from, I mean, it goes from Tropical Island Resort to, I mean, this, this is almost like last week's episode, man. Set without people murdering each other. Yeah, and this one really happened. Yeah, this one really happened. So uh, this is not April Fool's episode, though you would think it was if you didn't know any better. You saying um, dang it, Rump is not real, Daniel? Uh, I'm saying, well, in a sense, it is. At any rate, though. Uh, anyway, so these poor people are now flooding into this hellscape yeah, they thought was going to be a paradise. Exactly, a hellscape, right? And it's going all over Instagram now too. That the, all these there's tons of influencers there that have a lot of followers. And it's just all over the place. This is this is hell. We're so, in hell. Do you have a list of the uh, of the promise and then the the meager 
uh, <laughs> scraps he was able to come up with. No, I really don't have a list. So we got FEMA tents for, for $20,000 villas. villas. Your gourmet food turns into cheese sandwiches. sandwiches. Like there, we got to put a picture of the cheese sandwich up. I will. I will. Because that was probably the most iconic <laughs> image of, like you had the original like orange tile and then you had the cheese sandwich. That was like the before <laughs> and after, right? Um, so yeah, it's chaos. People start heading back to the airport. But there's no flights to take them back, right? Because these were charter flights that got them there. Right, right. Uh, and they're just like like hundreds and hundreds of people just sitting in the airport for hours and hours. They try to get them on flights. They have trouble, you know, with uh, with immigration in the U.S. They've got to have paperwork filled out. I mean, it is hours and hours and hours. These people start finally getting back to the U.S. But you have thousands of people still there. They're stuck. So here's the thing. When Billy started welcoming these people into the tents, right? Mm-hmm. Like He actually let these people arrive. He knew at this point that all the music talent had backed out. Yeah, but at this why, point, like, why was he not saying, "Guys, it's over"? Like, I don't know. Was I he still so that, delusional that, that he thought he could pull this off? I mean, tons of his employees were telling him for like weeks in advance, "Cancel it now! It's not going to happen. Cancel, cancel it." But he's so far in with this, like, if he just can't even have the money to refund the tickets, right? Right. Like, oh, like he's not. screwed. You know, like he's got all these investors all over him. Like, what are you going to do? And um. Yeah, that's that's basically what happens with fire fraud. Eventually, they get everybody off the island, but uh, after torturing them for a couple days, and uh, I mean, by the time yeah. they got off the island, they probably needed the FEMA tents. I mean, yeah, was, right. Like it was basically a FEMA situation. It was. It, this was. Uh, I mean, too bad FEMA wasn't on hand. Right. right? Um, needed more than the tents. Yeah, I mean, they they need like the Coast Guard to go out there and rescue these people is what they needed to do. You know. Um, but I, I just I cannot wrap my head around this because he knew he like, knew he's picking these people up in rusty buses, knowing that it's over, right? Like we have no music, we have no food, we have we have no infrastructure. Like you would think at this point he would be like, "Look, I'm screwed," but at least I can tell these people not to come to this hellhole. Yeah, in this in the the like torrential rainfall the night before you think is a sign from God. Right. Stop it now, Bill. Yeah. Stop it now. And this was before people even boarded planes to, to yeah. get there, right? Mm-hmm. So he could have stopped it. Well, even they, they may have boarded planes to Miami, but they had not left Miami at that point. They didn't. Can do you imagine how morning. furious you would be if you'd already gotten to Miami and then? Oh, that'd be terrible. And another thing to complicate that, you know, I said there's a sandals on that island, right? And there are hotels on the island, but. This is the same week as their like uh, big regatta on that island, mm-hmm. which is huge there. So there's not a hotel room available anywhere. So even people with the so money couldn't just couldn't, get a room. They couldn't go get a room. Oh. And I'm sure a lot of people there just did not have the money to go get a room. No, it's like after you spent 25 grand on a private on, villa and then put two or three, four thousand on your band. I mean, do you, you want to have any more money? I mean, at least he didn't do something shameless like put like a sign over the FEMA that said, private villa or something I, they probably would have if they had time probably would have covered it up with a fire logo or something right but uh yeah there's there's a story of and uh so what i don't remember he ended up going to prison for this yeah and he's still in jail he in 2018 he pled guilty to two counts of wire fraud for this and he was That's all they to could get years. him on well the fraud happened in the U.S., but like you have to understand, the festival was not in the United States. Right, it was in the Bahamas. Okay. Uh, now I think he's basically banned from ever going to the Bahamas again for the rest of his life. Yeah, seems um, reasonable. But yeah, he, he was sent six years in prison. He's still in there. Uh, he, as far as I know, he still has 
dreams of running another business. I mean, before he went to jail, he was planning on, you know, the next fire festival. Wait, he was already planning number two? Yeah, yeah. He, he literally said in an interview, a V1 has failed. No, no, fire has failed. Fire is over, Billy. It's over. He he really thought it was going to be a good idea to put that brand name out there again. Yeah. Like the, the, the name that is synonymous with the worst flop in history of a music festival. He thought he was just going to put a two next to that and everything was going to be okay. He, that's what he thought, I guess. I mean, after you torture all these people that come to your festival, uh, they're still owed money for the tickets. They're still workers he didn't pay. They're like local day laborers he never paid, uh, contractors he never paid. You know, I, the uh, one and, bright side I can say, you know, it, this, it's not much for poor Billy, but one thing we can say is even after all this, it's still not nearly as vile is that uh, I forget what it was called, but that furry convention that went awry. Oh my God. I don't, I, let's not even. That that is not in the scope of our podcast, sir. I wouldn't even look it up. Yeah, um, now, I, I do need to mention something. I feel ridiculous. Oh, it was rain first. Rain first. <laughs> Don't even mention it. You're going to mess up our algorithm talking about that junk. Um, no, now um, let me let me get back to this. I feel ridiculous because I said yeah he he, he played guilty, guilty to wire fraud. Right. But I never explained what he was doing wire fraud with. I, I forgot. Basically, like vendors and stuff he owed money to. He was uh, sending them confirmation sheets that he was wiring them money, but he never wired it. Right. And like, like he would mysteriously cut off the confirmation number, <laughs> like the, on the sheet he sent them. But that's what he did. He was he was faking wire fraud. Okay. So, um, that's what we were able to get him on. But uh, yeah, um, though I gotta say, man, like at least with Billy McFarland, I don't think he's gonna have the opportunity to defraud anyone else because unless he changes his name and gets plastic surgery so he looks completely different. Yeah. Like, everyone he's knows done. about Billy McFarland. No, the thing right? is, at least with him, like, what sets him a little apart from the other ones is that I think this probably started out as a legitimate venture. No, I think it like, didn't. He, this is like something he got in over his head and just started committing fraud after fraud to keep it afloat. Yeah, he bit off more than he could chew, but you have to understand he did sell fake tickets with Magnesis before this. So, That's true, yeah. So he was yeah. doing this before. That's true. But I don't think he meant for this to I think he meant for this to be a big thing to be real uh to make the profits on it but what I just still don't understand is how did he think he was ever going to to make any money on it when when you've sold all these tickets you still can't pay for what you need to pay for to get the festival going you can't pay the bands you can't pay your workers I mean I think by the time he figured that out they were screwed uh I, I guess they were but I don't know, man. I, I don't know what the guy was thinking. I guess he was just in so far over his head, he didn't know what to do. Poor planning all the way around, it seems like. <laughs> I thought you were about to say poor Billy. <laughs> no, 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 not going to say that at all. Poor festival attendees, poor people that worked for Billy. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to say poor investors because, you know, I mean, they're uber, uber wealthy anyway. I mean, I hate that they lost their money, but, you know, they it's not probably, nearly as bad as, as for the average ticket buyer, no, though. No, it's not nearly as bad as someone that paid twenty five grand to go get a private villa and then they're FEMA tent. stuck in a FEMA tent, which turns into like Lord of the Flies once they get <laughs> yeah. there, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but yeah, so that's uh that is the story of the fire festival, sir. Um I, like I'm sure some of you already heard of that, but I hope you enjoyed our take on it. I've I've been wanting to talk about the fire festival for a while now. It is a fascinating story. Yeah, and um, maybe we can even come back to it later if there are any updates with what Billy's doing in the future. 
I hope nothing but hard time, to be honest with you. Well, he's only sent us to six years, and you know he'll get out early for something. Right? Yeah. If he had been, um, you know, a, a, a poor person that had, <laughs> that had, 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 had uh, done this and defrauded a bunch of people, he would have been in there for like 40 years. I Probably so. Um, yeah. Somehow, with these financial crimes, the richer you are coming into them, the less guilty you apparently are. Does seem to be the case sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess that's just about it. I mean, that 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 was the last you prepared. That's it? that's the last one. That's the last of our three stories for today. Right. Um, we hope you guys like this uh, format where we have multiple stories. Uh, uh, let us know. Leave us a comment about it. Like I said, we're always trying new things. Yeah. Just to- yeah, we we want to see what people like, and we wanted to move away from the like more doom and gloom stuff. Hey, not that we're stopping you know. that. We just no, no. We just a temporary break. We just want to you know like try new things and you know break up the monotony a bit, maybe. Yeah, we're looking into having uh, discussing some cults as well. So if yeah, yeah. If you have any favorite cults, let us know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, next week, maybe next week will be the cult episode. Not sure. We may change something up, but uh, look into it, guys. Uh, as always, if you like our content. Um, you know, leave us a comment. Uh, you can send us a feedback and email, uh, fact and suspicion at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at and suspicion. We'd appreciate it. If you could like subscribe, um, turn on your notifications, tell a friend, um, tell anybody about us, right? Leave us a review on, uh, on iTunes or something, you know, whatever you can do to interact with us. It's, it's, it helps, it helps. us. And, uh, anybody you tell it helps us. Uh, we appreciate all of you and we will see you next week.